Welcome to After Hours with me, Rick Kogan, on this cloudy Sunday night. Whenever anybody asks me if the American dream is dead, I sometimes will respond, yes, absolutely, it's dead. But then I will think of my friend Nestor Gomez. Nestor, welcome to the show. You, you really are, I don't know if you think so, but when I think of the American dream, you are, to my mind, the American dream. Do you think so, or am I making too much of this, as usual? Um, um, I don't know. I, I, I think my mother was the one that had the dream of coming to the United States and provide a, a better, um, a better life for her, for her kids. Yeah. And me being one of them. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping with all my heart that I'm making my mother's dream come true. You were 15 when you came here, yes. weren't you? It that was, was not... a many, many, many years ago. <laughs> you looks, you'll always be a kid to me, Nestor. Uh, Nestor was at Pitchfork today, but the, the backstory of, how you came here and what you did when you got here and what you have become not only a published author you are also a producer you are also a multi multi award-winning storyteller you came here you, you didn't speak you you stuttered and you didn't know english and that's that's one of the things that amazes me how did you learn english I at first before going to school I started to learn English by watching TV you know like every every on every immigrant that comes to this country wants to learn to speak English some are not lucky enough to get an education or be able to go to school of any kind so we find ways we find ways to learn it just seems to me it, it's, it does it not? I have two friends sitting in the studio two uh, Trisha Rickard who will be on here later and uh her, her husband, uh, husband, mate, whatever, just imagine going to Japan uh, and saying, I'm going to learn Japanese and sitting and watching Japanese. It seems impossible to me. You also, when you first got to Chicago, you you had the need to tell stories, but you wrote them and you didn't tell them and you didn't show them to anybody at first, did you? Why? Uh, I spent many years writing without showing my writing to anybody. I did show it to a couple of friends at school eventually, but I never published anything. I never went to any public speaking event. Well, I used to stutter when I was a kid. When I came to this country, I was undocumented. I couldn't speak the language, so I didn't have a voice. For many reasons, not only because I was undocumented, I didn't have a voice, I couldn't vote. I couldn't speak the language because I stuttered, and I didn't know the language. I didn't have a voice. But nowadays, uh, thankful. Thanks, thanks to God and thanks to life and everything. I Now I am a USA citizen. I became a USA citizen a couple of years ago. I speak English with a sexy Latino accent. <laughs> and I have become a storyteller. And I, and I now not only do I tell my stories, but I also am blessed to have the opportunity to provide a platform for others to share their own immigration stories. Tell me about the first time you ever, you've told me before, but you haven't told the thousands of listeners out there about the first time you went to and realized that there was this ability for people to go to places to tell stories to other people. How did that come about? Yes, I went to uh, the Green Meal for a poetry slam, and I was going to, I signed up to tell a, a poem, but all my poetry was in Spanish. Most of my poems still are in Spanish, so I chicken out. I was like, I, don't, like, I can't do this. And at that green meal, there was a flyer for the mod slam. And my girlfriend and I went to the mod slam. And I remember watching the storytellers. And I remember watching Archie Arjun Jumjum, who's an amazing storyteller. And his story connected to my story because his story was about his experience as a descendant of immigrants. And I am an immigrant myself and also a descendant because my mother is an immigrant. 
So his story connected to me, and I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to like, I wanted to do the same thing. And I remember telling my girlfriend, "Oh, I should do that. I should do that." She like, "Yeah, yeah, you should." And a couple of days later, I started to chicken out because I started to think, you know, who's gonna care about my stories? Sure, you know, who's gonna it. understand sure. my 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 broken English, my accent? And I remember driving to work and listening to the Mod Radio Hour, and Lily B came up, and Lily B sang another amazing storyteller here in Chicago, and she was talking about Humboldt Park and mangoes and her abuela, and I was like, she's telling these stories. These stories matter. I should be telling these stories as well. And then my girlfriend, who now is my wife, uh, is with Mel, Melissa Public, she bought tickets for a mod slam, and she told me, like, okay, so you want to go? You're going to put your name? Let's go. And I went, I wrote a story. I practiced my story. I memorized my story. We went to the mod. I put my name in the hat, and I almost chicken out. Almost again, yeah. almost chicken out, and she's like, "No, we here. I got you the ticket. You doing this? You doing this?" So I stayed there. They called my name. I told my story, and I won the slam the night. What a what a life changing, what a life changing event! And thanks to Mel, would you read your stories to her? Do you still do that? Uh, from time to time, there's still. Like, oh, does she I, does she ever say, "Oh, come on, Nestor, I've yes. heard enough of your stories"? No, no. Okay. One time, I was going to a slam, and I told her, "Like, hey, I have this story that that, that I want to tell," and she like, "Maybe you shouldn't tell a story tonight." <laughs> so I told her, "Like, well, I have an idea for another story. It's about me driving as as as, as, as an Uber driver and this uh, crazy old lady that gets in the car." And she like, "Oh, I want to hear about that." So she drove to the slam that night, and while she was driving, I was thinking of the story of my head. We went to the slam. I told the story, and I won the slam with the story that night. How many more storytelling events have you won? Oh, my God. Uh, 70 plus. Wow. Wow. I want to also talk about the fact that, that winning a moth storytelling contest is not really a way to make a great living. I mean, you're not, you don't have a house in Lake Forest, no, mm. that's what I'm saying. Nestor is also the author of a fascinating book, uh, Your Driver Has Arrived. I've written about this book, and I found it n- not just uh, uh, incredibly appealing, but charming and real and funny and a little disturbing too he is going to be part of and producing he's now an entrepreneur that's what i'm calling you an entrepreneur an impresario uh 80 minutes around the world is a show that he has been putting together for a number of years now it will be at steppenwolf friday and saturday steppenwolf 1700 theater a great space go to nestor gomez storyteller.com and stay tuned we'll be back in a couple minutes welcome back i'm talking with uh, nestor gomez who is one of chicago's uh, premier storytellers not just chicago but the world about how he came here unable to speak english unable to speak at all because he said such a severe Stutter, he told us about his uh, then fiance, now wife Mel, sort of prodding him to go to the moth where he won his first moth storytelling competition and then has now won something more than 70. We met, you and I met before any of that. You came to some goofy thing I was doing at the cultural center, maybe talking about Studs Terkel or I don't know, Mike Royko was talking about somebody. And you came up to me and said, Hi, my name's Nestor Gomez. Yes, I. I in fact, it was also because of Mel, because she's a teacher. She's a she's a, a English teacher, and now she's the director of the Writers Center at North Park University. <laughs> but she had tickets for your event, and I remember going to the event, and 
after the event, I, I approached you and I talked to you about how, like, I was writing stories, but I was just, just doing nothing with the stories. And I asked you if I could send you one of my stories on, on my email, on, on an email, and you gave me your email address. Yeah. And uh, Mel was like, "Yeah, he did that out of kindness. He's not gonna reply." And I'm like, "No, he, he probably replied." Yeah, he's I an idiot. <laughs> he's an idiot, that Rick Hogan. He's never gonna get back to you. So I, I remember sending you my story and you replying very kindly to like for me to keep. On writing my story. It was a good story. I remember Thank it you. as if it was yesterday, Nestor. Have you ever thought to yourself what that is born of? I mean, y- y- you were, I think, and you've refined it a little bit over the years, but you were a natural storyteller. Do you think it had anything to do with stuttering and not being able to really communicate with other people that you kept a lot of this inside and would sort of, in a sense, tell yourself stories? Do you think that had anything yeah, to do with uh, it? Yeah, actually, I wrote a poem a couple of years ago. Uh, it's called Perdón. Uh, uh, so, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's, it's like me basically, basically praying to God and saying, uh, I'm sorry that for so many years I blame you that I was born with a stutter and that that was asphyxiated in my throat because that pushed me to write and pushed me to become a storyteller. Well, um, one of the things, you started this, uh, you know, your the thing that's happening Friday and Saturday, 80 Minutes Around the World, in 2017, I think, at Lifeline, there, yeah. Lifeline Theater. Uh, how was that born? I mean, what was the idea that gave birth to this thing? Yeah, there's a there's a um, there's an institution or a group of people in Rogers Park they call Protect RP that they when um, the previous administration came into power they wanted to do a fundraising for communities at risk because like many people we were worried about what was going to happen to sure. all these communities sure. so they wanted to do a fundraising for communities at risk and they called me. Uh, if I had any ideas, I'm a storyteller, so I proposed, let's do a storytelling show, because these are community at risk. immigrants, people from the LGTB community, uh, women that have been abused, they all have stories. So instead of us saying, oh, these are people, <coughs> let them tell their own stories. And it just happened that the people that we got to tell stories, they were all immigrants. Mm. So we told the first show, and I was like, I should have been doing this forever. This yeah. is what I meant to do. Well, it obviously shut down a bit because of the pandemic. But when, when we were talking about this before this show, when you would get, you're a born storyteller. I believe that in my heart. When someone would come to you and say, yeah, I have a story. How would you help them, someone who has never done this, to kind of shape their story? You're, you kind of play as an editor, I think, and as a facilitator, Right? Yes. I I cannot tell somebody, this is the way you should tell your story. Of or course. talk about this or talk about that. So what I usually do is I tell the people, write down what you want to talk about. Write it down to me on an email or a piece of paper or something. Send it to me. Give it to me in some form. And then I could tell you what I think. I, I, I could tell you the parts of the story that I'm confused about or the parts of the story that really hit me and that I think maybe you should concentrate on that part of the story. Wow. And what do people, does anybody ever said, hey, mind your own business? I'll no, 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 <laughs> no. Thankfully, no. <laughs> They're all grateful. The 80 minutes around the world, uh, how many How many stories will be told Friday and Saturday at Steppenwolf? Yeah, we have a different lineup on Friday than we have on Saturday. So I highly recommend people to come to both shows. Sure. Because they are going to be unique on of. On, on the kind of stories that are going to be told. Uh, we have people that are amazing storytellers here in Chicago, 
like I mentioned before, Lily Vian Archie. I am so happy that Archie is going to be telling a story, uh, story on, on Friday, and Lily is going to be telling a story on Saturday. But we also have people who have never told stories before. Wow. So we have people who are very prolific storytellers, and we have people who are telling a story for the very first time. Can you generalize, Nestor, about the nature of these stories? I'm sure every one of them is different to a point. I'm sure in just knowing your work, some are happy, some are terribly sad, some are tragic. Uh it's obviously a wild mix because I think one of the, the the things about storytelling and the reason some people don't go is they think they're going to get a bunch of sad stories. Uh, they're not all sad, are they? No, they're not. Uh, not. Not only as diverse as the show is because uh, it's a show about immigrants, refugees, descendants, and allies. So we have a diverse lineup of storytellers on the fact that is uh, immigrants, descendants, and allies. But also the kind of stories that are being told. Some, like you say, some stories are sad, some stories are happy, yeah. some stories are funny, some stories are goofy. So it's a very diverse show. When someone is drawn to the storytelling world, I remember when I first started covering comedy in this town that every, literally everybody who wanted to become a comic wanted to get a great five minutes because then they th- thought they would be on the Carson show and then they would get a sitcom. There is no real career path in the storytelling scene, is there? Because there's no gold ring at the end of it, right? People are doing these to express themselves, not for any other or maybe i'm wrong you're in the storytelling community is there a is there an aspiration that they are after something other than just self-expression well there are shows uh there are podcasts there are shows that uh um festivals are around the nation that could give you some financial incentive but for me, the best prize, the best incentive is when you tell a story and somebody comes after the show and says, I relate to the story because it happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to uh, to a border town and I told a story about crossing the, the border undocumented. And some of the audience people came to me and said, like, I crossed the border undocumented, but we never ever talk about it because that's taboo. We never even say anything about that. And we were so surprised to see somebody on the stage talking about this experience. Yeah. It, I'm not ashamed anymore that I came to this country undocumented. Wow. And to me, that was one of the best prizes ever. And it empowers people, too. And I think there's something, certainly over the last, since you've started this show, the whole uh, immigration has become an incredibly hot topic. And people are, I don't want you to play politician here, but people are wrong about, everybody thinks, well, we have to put a big wall up uh, not everybody thinks this, believe me, I don't. It'll be a big wallop and keep people out on the southern border. Immigrants come here from everywhere, as they always have, yes? Yes, yes. Uh, building a wall with no stop immigration, uh, not only because people will find other ways to get here, but like you say, people come here from all over the world, from Africa, from Europe, from Asia. People come here, some people come here with documents, and then the documents expire. Yeah. Some people come without documents, and they marry somebody who has documents because they fall in love. Some people come here because they cannot love a person of the same sex in their country of, of origin. So they come here for different reasons, and that's what the show tries to do, tries to show people, inform people. We don't preach people, you know. We right, just tell our right, stories. Right, right. We just tell, this is what happened to me, and this is the reason why I'm here, or this is what my immigration experience is about. Wow. Uh, 
we will pursue that a bit more. You really should, ladies and gentlemen. You can go to Nestor Gomez Storyteller dot com because you have other events coming up too. You're a very you have regular jobs to make money for you and Mel and your kids out there. Uh, next Friday and this coming Friday and Saturday at the seventeen hundred theater, which is a great, great space. When's the last time you did this show in front of an audience? Oh God. Uh it's been it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while because of due to COVID we, we continued the show and we did the show the show, you know, on on Zoom on on the virtual world and it did help in a way that we were able to bring people from other parts of the country sure. without having to fly them to Chicago. Yeah, you know, like, I don't have that involved. kind of money. You know, yeah. I, I, we, <laughs> we do this show. I do that show out of that, that my, my, my little tiny packet and uh, my heart. Yeah. It's my baby. It's my, but I don't have any, anybody providing money for me to do this show. And I think also the... There is something, though, it's probably easier financially to do. There is still something incredibly important about the impact of that face-to-face encounter. Go to NestorGomezStoryteller.com. I'm going to keep him here through the news, and we'll talk more about that. And we haven't even mentioned his experience at Pitchfork today. Nestor and I are a little old to even go to Pitchfork, but he was there. So stay tuned, and we'll be back. have a few more minutes with Nestor Gomez, and again, his website is NestorGomezStoryteller.com. There you will see all the information to get tickets for Friday and Saturday shows at the Steppenwolf 1700 Theater. Two different shows, but with the same theme, 80 minutes around the world. And if you've been listening to Nestor, you, you, will, you, you must realize that we get a real sense of what it means, what the immigrant experience means. It is not a one-note experience. It is like a symphony of stories. Nestor, this uh, pandemic uh, has been hard on you. Except now it's not, and this year you're going out all over the place to tell stories. Yes, uh, this year I've been blessed to uh, have the opportunity to go to storytelling festivals. We mentioned that as the, the storytelling festivals here in the United States. There's festivals in Canada and in Cuba also. I'm not, I haven't been invited to those yet, <laughs> but hopefully uh, someday I will. But I, uh, I will be going to storytelling festivals this year. I went to a couple already, but I have a couple more coming up. It's all the information is on my website. Do you write new? Is there a lot of pressure? Is there pressure to write new stories, or do you do you, because these audiences have never seen you before? Uh, do you tell stories? that are tried and true i do tell some of the stories that i I told previously but i also always push myself to write new Mm. stories Mm. i just wrote a new story uh a couple of weeks ago uh that that i'm still working the kinks of it when do you find time when do you do your writing you have a regular job by which you 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 know make money to live yes uh I have a regular job at a, a company on the north side of Chicago. I do quality control. Right. Uh, and I work there in the mornings. I get out of there usually around 3, to 3 o'clock. And then I go home. Sometimes I try to go to the gym to exercise, but after getting older, you know, my, I exercise one day and then I got to take a whole week off <laughs> to recover. Uh, and then I do shows uh, whenever I have a show sure. coming up. And then I try to, to, to write. I usually write very late at night. I usually sleep from like 11 or midnight to like 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So I, that's when I do my writing, very late at night. Now, is Jerry Brennan, the the genius who runs Tortoise Books, does he want another book from you? Because he published 
Uh, your driver has arrived. Ride-sharing stories by Nestor Gomez, and it's a handsome little book. You probably sold a few copies at Pitchfork today, didn't you? Yes, we did. It's, uh, it was my first time at Pitchfork, actually. I had never been to Pitchfork. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit disconnected because of the music scene because I'm getting a little bit older. Same uh, here, same <laughs> here, same here. So uh, it, it was a fantastic experience, and we were able to sell um, a few good numbers of books. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk to Jerry. I think he should do another book. I think there should be a collection of your stories, and maybe even, I, I don't know if 80 Minutes Around the World, if he's or anybody's thought of collecting some of those stories in book form. Yes, I, I, I have uh, toyed with the idea of having uh, a book, because it's 80 minutes around the world, so I actually want to have a book of 80 stories of immigration and have 80 different countries of origin from those wow. stories. Um, wow. I would like to pay the storytellers for that, you know, sure. for the stories, because I think that uh, uh, anybody, as a, as, a, as a storyteller myself, I think anybody that takes the time, the effort to write on the stories, should be financially compensated for it because it's an art. It's an art form that should uh, be... No question. Has it gotten easier for you, Nestor? I mean, obviously, there are more demands on your time and on your ability and on your, you know, impresario uh, abilities. Is it, does it get easier for you to write? Uh, I'm getting more demanding on myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have set myself to, like, a higher standard. Because at first, you know, when, when I first wrote my first story, it was just for me to get over my fear of public speaking. Right. That was the only thing I was thinking about. I'm just going to get my over my fear of public speaking, going to do this for one time, and that's it. I didn't know I was going to win the slam that night, and I didn't know that I was going to continue to write stories. So as I continue to write stories, I... People hear about me and they hear, oh, he won this many stories, you know. So when they go to see me, I think they have a, an, an expectation. expectation. Right. So I see <laughs> myself as a, like I had to meet that expectation. So I have become more demanding on my writing. Are there demands from younger storytellers out there? They must look to you as a kind of mentor and as a, not just to, hey, I've written this story, you help shape it for, for 80 minutes around the world, but... Nestor, I want to make a, a career, a life of this. You must get a lot of calls that way. I get a lot of requests of teaching storytelling, and yeah. I'm and I'm becoming to think that maybe I should do it. I don't have like a like a workshop, where, you know, where, where I where I, I sit down with people and tell them how I go about writing my stories and telling my stories and how do I uh, work on my stories to make well, them better. How do you better. shape yeah, them? Yeah, how do I too. shape them? So I do. I am. I am also toying with the idea of starting my my own workshop because there's some there's some storytellers here uh, here in Chicago that do workshops. Like Scott Whitehead is an amazing storyteller. Sure, sure. He has a, a workshop here. Uh, he has a class teaching storytelling. Um, uh, there's a show Story Jam also that has classes. Uh, there's, there's there's many shows and many people that do classes. I think that Lily B also has a workshop. So um, I I'm beginning to think that I should also add my name to the list of people that do storytelling classes. Well, I think all classes. three of us, with Peter Hurley and Chris Ricketts and I, would all go. It's a it's an art. Do you think of it as an art form? It is an art form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how big is 1700 Theater? Again, Friday and Saturday nights is when uh, Nestor and how many people will will be reading with you during 80 minutes around the world on those two nights? We have seven storytellers for Friday and counting myself, and we have eight storytellers, or oh, seven storytellers for Friday and seven storytellers with, for Saturday as well. 
And do you act as a kind of host to the thing? Do you introduce the storytellers? Yes, I introduce the storytellers. I well, I'm the host, the producer, and the creator of the show. So yes, I I, I do a very small introduction of the storytellers because I want people to get to know the story, the storytellers by the, the stories the story. through the stories. Through. So I'm not gonna give you like a five minute like they don't this, they don't that, they don't. <laughs> I just tell you, you know, the next storyteller is. Is from so so. It is from here and here, and you're gonna love the story. And here it goes. And you do when you hear the stories. You usually fall in love with the stories and the storytelling. What's the pressure you feel as a producer? Do you feel pressure as a producer? I feel yes, some some sort of pressure to 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 have because I want to have the stories that uh, are not only. Let's say from the Latino experience. I I I am I am a Latino myself, and right. it's important to me. But I also want to have the Asian American community represented. I have to have some. I want to have somebody from the LGBT community represented. I want to have somebody from Europe. I want somebody who's an ally. I have somebody who's a descendant. So sometimes it's difficult to have all this diversity in a show. So that's the thing that is more difficult and gives gives me more pressure or feels me uh, make me feel more pressure that. That I want this diversity. The diversity is very important to me. Although it's a show that on itself has diversity, I want to be able to have a lot of diversity on the show. You, you know, Nestor Gomez, you give me hope for mankind. I'm, I'm not making, I'm not being hyperbolic. You really do. You give me hope that uh, if people will listen to the stories of other people, I and mean, it's like sitting around a campfire with with cavemen. For God's sake! I mean, it's a way that we communicate, and, in the, and we live in a pretty icy world where everybody is. You know, Everybody's on the phone. Twitter is Twitter is away. not Twitter. To my mind, is just it's not storytelling. Twitter is a lot of fights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twitter is speaking a lot of fights. Twitter is kind of like uh, uh, race driving for people. Yeah, yeah. You're really right. Again. Nestor's book is called Your Driver Has Arrived. Uh, his website is NestorGomezStoryteller.com. He is uh, one of Chicago's rare creatures, I will tell you that. And Mel, your wife, is a <laughs> she's done an amazing thing. She helped create this whole thing. Yes, I'm extremely lucky to have her in my yeah, life. Give her a big hug for me, Nestor. It's great to see you and have great a great show you. Thank you Friday for and Saturday. My pleasure.